Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic GRACE. That's grace with two A's, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. But we don't have all the answers. We hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Welcome back. This is Jenny Brady, and we wanted to start off by saying thank you so much to all our listeners. We have been encouraged by your input and wanted to let you know about another opportunity to dive deeper in our biblical understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion. On April 26th through 28th, the Christian Educators Diversity Alliance will be hosting the Christian Educators Diversity Symposium at Prestonwood Christian Academy. We have many incredible speakers coming to talk on topics such as systematic versus individual diversity work, LGBTQ and how we minister well to our students, cultural humility, and much more. We're grateful to be sponsored by Association of Christian Schools International, CESA, the Council on Educational Standards and Accountability, and Joshua Expeditions. Tickets can be purchased at cesaschools.org. Well, welcome back to Grace 360. Today, our conversation that we're going to be talking about dealing with diversity issues is going to be events at your school or just events, things on the calendar that you want to look forward to and say, uh, how do we deal with these particular things as, uh, as they happen from a family standpoint, right? Raising kids, kind of looking at a bunch of different things that are going to come up on a calendar. So we're going to kind of run through a calendar and some of the different events uh, that we deal with and some of the things that we uh, wrestle with and have had. And so um, just kind of looking at the events. Jenny, I know we were talking earlier about homecoming. So uh, that's always a great event on a school calendar, but there's obviously some things to think about that may happen other than just a parade and a game. So tell me about some of the events from a diversity perspective that might be around kind of a homecoming issue. Yeah, well, um, I think there are a few different aspects that need to be considered when you look at homecoming or even prom or any kind of dance where you're asking out, where there are dates, that type of thing. And so some have to do with um, racial, some have to deal with economics, and some have to deal with culture. And I'll just dive into one situation that we've had recently. I have, I know you're not supposed to have favorite students as you work at a school, but I know that we all have our favorite students. And so one of my students asked out a date. And he is African-American and his date is a Caucasian girl. And we found out through the process, the students hopefully still does not know, we found out through the process that the dad of the daughter was not happy that an African-American student had asked out his daughter. And so the conversation came around with how are we equipping our students when those situations happen? That uh, an other side of that was that um, a lot of our African-American girls were not happy that this African-American boy asked out a Caucasian girl. I will say that this young man is very popular and the girls like him. And so they were not excited that he asked out a Caucasian girl. So it created a bit of tension that we had to walk through. So what are y'all's thoughts on that? I mean, I will say, as we talk about working at a school, obviously, and having conversations with students, as you are, I think one of the things that we kind of miss out is, are we having conversations with parents as well? And what kind of parent training are we having? Meaning, Jenny, would this be a conversation that you'd be willing to call up those parents and just say, hey, I heard you weren't you know, interested in, in your daughter being asked out by an African-American young man. Why, why is that? And, and here's, here's the thought, right? As we train kids, 
um, obviously a lot of these thoughts that they're having, right, are coming from their home. Are we expected to then have those, you know, kind of uncomfortable conversations with people in the home as well and, and, and talk to parents about these issues? And I think that's one of the things that, right, could be a, a great opportunity uh, to help those students because I think that's a difficult conversation to have with mom and dad, you know, it might be something where you're looking for somebody to help you out and be a little bit more mature in that and have that conversation with the parents as well. So have you had conversations with parents like that? Well, no, I haven't had conversations with parents. And to be honest with you, my first immediate reaction was I got to protect my student. I moved into that protective role of I never want him to know this. I do not want him to know that this dialogue is happening. How do I help prevent any type of situation that might be harmful for him in regards to this date? Um, The girl did say yes. After the student called the dad, spoke with the dad a bit, and the dad did end up letting her go with him. It was an interesting dialogue to have with the various student groups. Also interesting to have with a bunch of the students who were not happy that they weren't asked out by this young man. And so it's interesting walking alongside the students. I will say that one of our discussion points is, yes, how do we educate parents? And I don't think we have a strict policy on that. I don't think we have procedures on that. I don't even think we have thought through how do we, if this situation happens, how do we call up a parent and say, can I introduce you to this amazing student that, um, by the way, even though my daughters are a little young, I've already married off to all my children. So that's 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 one of the things that I think we have to think through. Do you mind, Jenny? I think um, that makes for interesting dialogue, too. Can you share a little bit about how did that conversation go with those young ladies who weren't necessarily jazzed about his decision. So one of the things that they brought up was there aren't a whole lot of African-American guys, other male students to ask us out. And we said, well, what about the Caucasian students? What about the Hispanic students? They're not going to ask us out. There's this automatic perception that we're not going to be asked out unless it's an African-American male student. And so we had to walk through that. Some of those students have been asked out and they are going with Caucasian, with Hispanic students. But um, there is this, this natural... I guess, fear that if I'm not asked out by someone of the same race, no one else is going to be willing to ask me out. So I will be without a date. So it's interesting just working with the students on, well, okay, so is that reality? And then if it is reality, how do we walk through that well? So those are the type of conversations we were we were having. Absolutely. I was just, in my mind, I was thinking of kind of the dynamic, really for both the guy and the girl that's at play there, it almost seems like a double whammy for the girl because typically in the engagement of homecoming ritual, right, the kind of the onus is on the guy. And so, you know, if you're already dealing with a situation where, you know, he's asking, you know, someone of a different race and they're, whether it's them or the parents that are kind of apprehensive, then on the other hand, you have African-American girls who maybe face the same thing from, other individuals, but then also with the guys of their same race, right? It's like they're, well, I'm also just waiting on the guy. So then it's like my, my pool shrinks. And then when that pool all goes another route, now I feel, you know, this, this sense of neglect. But I, I think that there is a way even, like you say, of, of navigating those conversations with them. I guess my biggest concern is just like them being, right, empowered and knowing, keeping in mind their worth and their image of godness that they, that they have that this isn't a reflection of you being the lesser or anything like that and because i think i think i've experienced some of those similar situations being in school I remember having those same conversations 
Yeah, and I think in the long run, it actually worked out really well. They're all getting together. They're right. going to the dance together. They, every part of it is together as the girls, and it's quite fun watching them. They're getting really excited. Exactly. So it was just walking through those immediate steps right after that of, of how it hit them, how they were responding, and let's walk through how we can respond to this well. Exactly. So, yeah. So, but you, you brought up some other issues, not just you know, race, obviously, that, that would be a complication or could be, um, but you brought up economics. So what what are you talking in in terms of that? Why is why is that an issue that we have to think through? Well, I think that when we look at our schools, if we are economically going to be diverse, we have to take into consideration all the costs that go along with events like prom and homecoming. And Cindy, I'm going to let you talk into this because you've been an SGA sponsor, and so you know all those costs that go along with that. Yeah, it's it gets pricey after a while, um, and. We work and we live in a rather affluent area, but our students don't all come from this area. We have some students that drive from a a good distance to get to the school because of the quality education and the biblically-based education that they get here and other opportunities that the school will also be able to pour into their lives as a result of being here. But it is something that we have to take into account. So when when I was working with SGA and we would come up with a T-shirt, we always had to take into account, well, that design that we want is it going to make the shirt so cost prohibitive that some of our students simply will not be able to afford it? The events that we do, you know, we do live in Texas. And in Texas, there is this thing called a mum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a foreign concept to me, even though I've lived in Texas since 2006. Hey, in, in case somebody's listening outside of Texas, I, when you said mum, I would have had no idea what no, you were describing. No, so it's can like you a, just describe it um, for people? Well, it, it might actually, yeah, it, well, it, it might actually take like a Chinook to carry and transport and and drop <laughs> one in somebody's yard. Yeah, this um, might be something you want to go Google. Y- right? Yeah, you, you Google, need to go Google uh, and make sure you, you Google Texas, Texas homecoming, homecoming mom. mom. Just to give you a little bit of an idea, you hear the girls coming down the hallway because they're jingle, jangle, jingling, like they're wearing spurs and they're not wearing spurs. Because popular, you know, contrary to popular opinion, not everyone in Texas is a cowboy. I remember being asked that one when I said, I'm moving to Texas. And all my Florida kids were like, are you going to ride a horse to school? No, I'm not. In fact, I haven't seen anyone riding a horse. But the length is from the shoulder, roughly shoulder. And I've seen them as long as down to their ankles. Um, it's, it's, it's gargantuous. But they're expensive. They're, I mean, they go into the hundreds. Some of our students simply can't afford that. And I know that sometimes parents will go to one of the local Hobby Lobby, Michael kind of store, and then student A and parents go to the store, buy everything they need, and make it for student B. Because if you buy it through the same medium that everyone else is buying it through, it is just way too expensive. So that's something that we need to take into consideration. So one of the things that we've done as a school is we've actually put the word out there that, you know... I know that it's precious to us when we're in high school, but honestly, how many of us in the, at this table can remember where we've left everything that we cherished in high school? So since you're probably not going to be taking that to college with you, how about leaving it behind and letting someone else use it? So now we have mums that have been donated for some of our students that might need that assistance. And they're all there, nice and pretty, and they're absolutely beautiful. They look brand new. And another student now is being blessed as a result of that donation. So that's one approach that we've done. And that actually came from Jenny's diversity office. That didn't come out of SGA. But when we deal with how we dress for every single day, 
you know, when SGA gets together at the end of, the, of every school year and they start deciding on the homecoming theme and what every single day's individual theme will be, when we sat or settled on a theme for the day, we had to take a look at it and say, okay, is this something that someone might be able to pull out of the back of the closet where they won't have to spend any money and still be able to fit in? And then one of the beautiful things that the school has also done is they've said, listen, if you don't want to come wearing a costume that's theme oriented according to the day, pair of jeans and a PCA spirit shirt is just fine too. And we have plenty of kids walking around that way. And teachers, this year I didn't dress up for a single day. I did jeans and spirit shirt every single day. So it allows those that want to go that route to go that route. And those who maybe don't want to go that route, they don't have to go that route. And those who can't won't get left out flapping in the breeze. Now, any anytime you give students an opportunity to dress up, right, I, I think one of the things we have to um, make sure that we are clear, the one I remember from last year, I can't remember what it was, but it was something about cowboys and aliens, yes. right? And some of our students decided that aliens meant illegal aliens yes. as far as like immigrants, mm-hmm. right, and tried to dress up like that. And that, that was an issue that, that had to be dealt with. But that, um, that I, actually I know- happened when I was in charge of SGA, or I was one of the co-sponsors for SGA. So that was your fault. And we try, yes, it was my fault. <laughs> we try, we honestly try to look at every single thing we're going to do from every possible angle that we can. And that one just fell through the cracks. I mean, you would think that I, coming from my ethnic background, being a Hispanic, that it would have registered in my head that someone might go somewhere with the word alien that I that that we weren't intending. Well, you it would have never, never thought of yourself as a exactly. E.T. type creature. Exactly. That's what I thought. I mean, I thought, ooh, here comes E.T., you know, or something along those lines, which is what was the intention, because that was that year that the movie came out, Cowboys and Aliens, which I never even saw. But it was it was pretty popular with our kids. So we went with it. <laughs> we try. But I think it's important to understand that no matter how hard any school tries, somewhere, somehow, something may very well fall through the cracks. And it has to be responded to. It can't just be, silence can't be the answer because silence is consent. And it's a great opportunity if approached properly to educate our students. Yeah, and I, I think this is where parents need to be involved as well. Because um, as I mean, as students walk out the door, parents, you need to be asking those students, okay, what's the theme for the day and why are you wearing this? Absolutely. And what do we, right? Because some, some students will come up with, uh, hey, what can I do to grab attention or what can I do to you know kind of push the boundaries a little bit? And I think as a parent, right, that's that's not the point, mm-hmm. right? The point is not to see how far we can push the boundaries. The, you know, the point is to allow students to dress up, right, to have a good time, to do something, you know, fun and interesting. But, but if you're going to make somebody else feel uncomfortable by what you're wearing, right, if you're intentionally doing something to try to offend somebody else, it's like some, right, you have to ask a question. What, what's wrong with you? Yeah, right? it's very much a heart issue. That's a spiritual issue. And I think that our administrators have done well in um, being at the door yes. when the students are walking in, making sure that the costumes and everything else are appropriate. Because in the past, we weren't at the front doors making sure that they were appropriate. And we ended up um, having to deal with the repercussions of not knowing until a period or two later into class. So, yeah, I think the other thing that has come up with us, uh, especially this year, is culturally. As we continue to diversify culturally, um, this year with the homecoming mums, I know not everybody in every state deals with mums, but I know they deal with uh, how students are asked out to these dates. And I had a, a sweet mom, one of our families, texting me periodically throughout this saying, the boy's coming over to ask out my daughter. Do I need to have a meal prepared? Are they going to want to come in and spend time with us? How do we navigate this? And 
And so I think we have to understand that culturally we have people coming into our schools that don't necessarily understand the, the pro- I don't even know if it's appropriate, but how we maneuver during these times. And I think we have to pay special attention to that. All right. What other events do we have on the calendar? We've got we've got dances now. Holidays. What kind of holidays are we looking at and how do we deal with those? Anybody have a holiday you want to th- to- toss out there? I'd love to talk about MLK Day. For the past five or so years, my wife and I go down to in downtown Dallas and we get to watch the Martin Luther King Day Parade. And it's one of the most beautiful things uh, about it to me is, right, contrary to popular belief, right, it's just the middle of the quote unquote hood. And it's just a bunch of African-American people all together hanging out, celebrating and watching all of these amazing things that are happening in the community um, from things that are happening in schools, seeing different organizations. And and it's just a cool opportunity to look and celebrate and be able to see like, man, look how far we've come. Look how in spite of all of what's been taking place, look at what's been accomplished and you know, largely thanks to the effort of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and all of those who served alongside him. All that to say, I just remember like the first time coming on staff here and MLK Day coming around and being like, we have mandatory training for all staff and just kind of feeling like, whoa, like we don't do this for any other holiday. I'm just curious of like kind of you guys' thoughts on um, on that um, either side of the, the well I corner. thought it was interesting when I was still in Miami and my nephew was here and we would talk every weekend we'd call and he uh, I'd be like are you gonna enjoy what are you gonna do tomorrow on your day off for Dr. King's holiday and he would say oh I've got to go to school right it's it's amazing stepping back and watching how incrementally it changed went from all of us on property students and teachers to then students having it off, and then everyone is off to commemorate the life of a man who did amazing things, and he didn't do it just for himself. You know, um, we're, we're celebrating Dr. King, and I know that everyone is obviously and rightfully so going to focus on the civil rights movement and the fact that there was an entire segment of our, of our American population, fellow citizens and brothers and sisters in Christ, more often than not, that simply wanted to be recognized and be given the same rights that every other American was entitled to. But Dr. King was also very clear in stating that it's not just the African-American community that's going to benefit from this movement. Dr. King was very clear, I think women are going to be the greatest recipient of the benefit of the civil rights movement. You know, so the fact that now, even though it was slow going and it was incremental, the beauty that we finally are got to the point where we're all going to be able to celebrate the day appropriately. And we get to do that how we think it ought to be appropriately commemorated. For some of us, we'll go do service project days. We'll serve people, brothers and sisters in Christ, but also non-believers that are our neighbors. You know, other people will use it to get together as family and remember family history because family stories have to be told. If they're not told, they're lost. And if they're lost, we don't know who we are or where we're headed. So now that we have that beautiful freedom to remember the day of, you know, that we've named after one man, um, but even Dr. King himself was quick to recognize, I'm not the only one that's been in this. You know, he gave credit to, to, to Medgar Evers. 
you know, and he gave credit to other people that played into his life and that poured into his life and that continued inspiring him and doing what he did. I remember um, I have a, a lot of different students that hang out in my office, and, and one day it was predominantly African-American that were hanging out, and it was getting close to MLK Day, and I just threw out the question. I said, what are y'all going to be doing? And it was so neat to see them get excited about what they were going to do on MLK Day. And some were saying, you know, we're staying at home as a family, and we're watching documentaries. I know we're, and the others were saying, we're getting together as a larger group, and we're going to have, you know, a cookout. We're going to celebrate together as a larger group. But it was neat because they started feeding off each other, and they started getting the excitement started growing. And um, it really gave me a good perspective into how important this day is, not just for our nation, but for each individual student. It was a, it was a beautiful time to experience that. Yeah. And I, I think if, if this isn't the holiday that, you know, just floats your boat, um, that Martin Luther King Jr., right, you go, okay, I mean, there were some civil rights issues and you know, he was a great man and he did these wonderful things, but my particular community doesn't necessarily um, celebrate MLK Day as a, as a day where we're doing a bunch of different things. I think to understand that that's okay um, and to allow other communities to have celebrations and events, right, they say, that that's awesome. You know, maybe I want to learn more about it. Maybe I want to mm-hmm. dive into it a little bit more. Maybe I want to find a you know, African-American family and say, well, what do you guys do? I'd like to know more about it. Or to just allow you know, and appreciate that other communities can have holidays. Because uh, you know, white kids will always ask, right, like Black History Month, how come there's not a White History Month? Or if we're celebrating MLK, how come we're not celebrating you know, some white? And it's like, okay, so the white you know, race, the Caucasian race, obviously was the predominant factor, you know, especially in America, right? And just realize that there's that whole underpinning of, I don't have to have a white you know, history month, right? DeMarcus would always say, every other month is White History Month. <laughs> you know, give us, give us one. Um, and so, you know, I, I think from a white person's perspective, looking at different holidays that celebrate something that isn't just about you, it's an appreciation of saying, well, this is about somebody else. Let me learn about those things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a, you know, a, a day that celebrates, um, you know, Hispanic Americans, or is a day that celebrates a different, you know, uh, group, um, it's okay to, you know, to listen, to learn, and maybe sometimes to be quiet because, you know, as Marcus would say, a lot of the other days are just celebrating you and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that all of us, regardless of whether we're African-American or not, all of us have benefited from the work of Dr. King, you know, and I think you know, the fact that he was willing to sacrifice so much. And Jenny, I can't remember the quote when we went to Memphis two years ago, that when Dr. King was felled by that bullet on the balcony at the Lorraine Hotel, in his pocket, he had a note. And the paraphrase of the note was that nothing great is achieved without sacrifice. You know, this is the same man who also said that a man doesn't know what he's living for until he knows what he's willing to die for. He's not even living until he knows what he's willing to die for. All of us have been beneficiaries, regardless of whether we belong to a particular group. So I think it's important for us as teachers to be very careful. Yes, this is a, a day that commemorates Dr. King, but we need to understand that because we are Americans and he was also an American, he's also part of my story. Just as much as George Washington, even though George Washington and I don't look alike, and I'm not talking because he was male and I'm female, he's a fellow American. He belongs to me as well. I can take just as much ownership of George Washington as I can of anyone else, even though we don't share an ethnicity or a race. There's an interesting um, an interesting one that comes up, I think, frequently in discussions, not only with us, but I think with everyone, is, is Columbus Day. 
and it's now being changed into in Indigenous Peoples Group Day. And there's different dialogue about that. And so I think that that's even an interesting discussion between us. I think we've um, we've gone through the historical narrative and what's being shared. I know that I I ruffle, I might have ruffled a few feathers. I might have made people excited. I don't know what I did when I wore my awesome Native Americans Discovered Columbus t-shirt. Um, just to say, you know what? What if Native Americans were going to talk about this day? How would they talk about this day? And so I think as we look through the holidays, as we look through the various celebrations, we have to take into perspective our brothers and sisters in Christ who don't look like us. What is important to them? How do they experience life? And um, and really do listen well to that. So um, lastly, we wanted to bring up that at the end of the school year, we have this large event that every school that has a 12th grade will celebrate, and that is graduation. Anyone want to jump into what graduation looks like? So graduation at our school is pretty formal. The ritual of it is we'll have um, our students escorted to the podium by their parents. And as they're coming up, um, there's a brief kind of explanation of their academic history and achievements while at the school, as well as the family that they come from. And they'll receive their diploma. Pictures are taken um, and the auditorium is to remain in utter silence as the ceremony is in procession. Any violators of said rules are escorted out by local officials. Yeah, and so that's homecoming. No, that's graduation. graduation. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's graduation. (laughs) That's graduation. Okay, but... um, Speaking with you in the past and talking about graduation, I know that culturally it is celebrated in different ways. I know growing up in the Hispanic culture, it was not a time of, I know we say that it's a time of reverence, so everybody needs to be quiet. Yes, it's a time of reverence in the Hispanic community, but that doesn't mean that everybody's quiet. Yes, it's it's a little more lively. So, um, and then talking with you, Tamarcus, it was interesting hearing why it would be celebrated differently with your family based on your family's heritage. Absolutely. So, um, when I when I think about graduation, um, high school too, and then even especially as you start to get into um, college or even grad school. Um, so, my grandparents. On both sides of my family, none of none of them completed high school. Um, in fact, some of them didn't even complete middle school. And then going on to um, my parents and uncles, you know, a lot of them got to high school, not so much to college. But even just in our community like that, just like graduating, getting degrees, getting your education was was not a norm. Um, and I felt like there there started to be a real a real shift of that. Um, with me and my sisters and my cousins and um, kind of likewise with, you know, even a lot of my peer groups. I know some of my friends who were, you know, um, even as I was graduating, they were first generation graduates. And so just thinking about the history of that, I remember having a conversation with my students of, you know, um, one of their homework assignments was just to go home, talk to their parents, talk to their grandparents and see how far back they could go in their family's history before they found somebody who didn't have a college degree. Um, And some of them could say, could claim, you know, great, 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 great grandparents who, you know, have been graduates at this particular college and everyone after them is gone. And I was like, that starts with me and my sisters. Um, And so when I think about when I went to my sister's, you know, college graduation and she walked across the stage, our uncles, cousins, aunties were there, like, because it wasn't just 
she graduated from college, it was our family just took a step into a realm that we have not been before. Um, and there was just this tremendous uproar. And so for me, it's I think about it in terms of that's something that, you know, like I said, I get through reverend side, but that's something that, you know, especially in our, you know, like I said, my family, the way we celebrate stuff is we get loud and boisterous. And I was just thinking of like students or families that may be maybe in similar um, situations or even slightly different ones. You know, I had a student who, since he was a child, had been struggling with brain cancer and they weren't sure if he was going to even make it. You know, he wasn't supposed to make it to high school graduation and he did and it was a boisterous occasion when he crossed the stage and so it, I, I just feel like you never know where families are or what that moment could mean to them and to say and if you make a peep while he walks he or she walks across the stage you'll be escorted out of the room you know I feel like it it lacks some nuance I think that as a schools, we have to be careful on how we're educating on those areas as well. If, if that's the decision that's made and we've taken into consideration the different people groups that are present at that event, I think we have to be very careful on how we educate those people groups on what is going to take place. Um, another situation that I have is I have a student who she is already worried about graduation because it, it is a big deal at our school with mom and dad walking their child up. And so um, her mom is not existent in her life. Her mom does is around but she's not existing in her life and she knows that her mom's going to want to be part of it she knows that it might look weird if her mom is not part of it she's trying to navigate that her grandparents pay for her to go to school here and she's like do I have to include them but I know that's going to add a whole nother dimension to this and so she's really wrestling with who she's going to invite to come on stage with her as she walks across and so I think it's just important as we go through all these events that we take into consideration the different people groups and how they're affected. As we often say, intent doesn't always equal impact. And so whereas our intentions are in the right place, we have to understand how that will land on different groups of people. And so I think that was our goal in in this podcast. Thank you for listening to Grace 360 with two A's. As always, the views and opinions expressed in the podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. And as always, you can find us on social media at Grace360. That's G-R-A-A-C-E 360.